brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss. So become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. All right, all right, people, getting the party started. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and for years we've been dissecting the damage done by the power elite for most of human history and speculating over which areas have set us back the most. Is it debt-based central banking, which has everyone redlining their lives to make more green paper as they attempt to escape the debt trap inherent to the economic system itself? Is it the suppression of natural medicine and the powerful reality of nutrition-based health and wellness in exchange for petrochemicals and radiation-based solutions yielding these same power pyramid players billions of dollars off the backs of our dead friends and family? Or might it be the quarantine around certain foundational principles of nature that bright minds like Wilhelm Reich, Victor Schauberger, and Nikola Tesla tried to teach us about, as well as harnessing the abundance all around us which could equalize everyone on the planet's access to electricity, heat, light, and power without discrimination or even the need to invoke the economic system at all? Wherever you might plant your flag, it's option three that we're going to be drilling home today. Not only because it upsets the corporate controllers hell-bent on sucking from the parasitic power grid, but also because the eradication of this esoteric understanding has been a process that started with warping and twisting the fundamental knowledge of the entire natural world in a way in which the damage caused by that mind virus is hard to even calculate. Now, in today's world, the holistic beauty, entangled elegance, and built-in abundance of our human terrarium seems like wishful fantasy rather than the way things really are, and the positive philosophical and spiritual underpinnings inherent to that understanding are replaced with fear, greed, and a harshness that's all born out of this faulty understanding of the universe itself. Well, few people understand the depth of all this like today's returning guest back after four long years, Eric P. Dollard. Eric is an electrical engineer who is a living legend in the field of electrical research. He is considered by many to be the most knowledgeable expert alive today on the true nature of electricity. In his work, he shows how all electric phenomena can be mathematically measured and engineered without using calculus or Maxwell's equations. He's also the only person since Tesla's death to successfully build a real magnifying transmitter. 
He's written too many landmark papers to name and given fascinating conference presentations like four-quadrant representation of electricity, the extra-luminal transmission systems of Tesla and Alex Anderson, the power of the ether as related to music and electricity, musical seismograph and history, and theory and practice of the electrical utility system. It's an honor and a pleasure to have him here again, so let's get into it. The proverbial Tesla 2.0, a true guru of electrical engineering and a bright mind for our troubled times. Eric, my man, welcome back to the higher side. Okay, well, thank you. Yes, this is a real pleasure. I can't believe it's been four years. Big thanks to Aaron Murakami for getting us connected again. I know last time we talked about a lot of your history and background. For people who don't remember, you had a lab at RCA and a long successful career that was sort of taken from you. And as soon as you'd get going again, your work would be destroyed or sabotaged. You'd lived out of the Toyota Corolla for years. It seemed like the sort of rough history I would expect for a person doing this sort of work. And given the people in the, you know, the past who are pushed out of the circle in similar ways, but it seems like the last four years have been a lot more positive. EPD Labs is going strong. The presentations and demonstrations you give show real functioning equipment. And it seems like a lot of roadblocks have been lifted. And now you're in the pretty advanced stages of a lot of the work you've been doing. Is that fair to say? Are things looking up? Well, yes and no. So there's not really there's not really the necessary funding to do a lot of these things. And the, the problem is, is there's no one really interested anymore. I have nobody to help me. Traditionally, in my history, people that show up to help me actually have the opposite in mind. So, so what's good is now I have a place to keep my books and my test equipment and work on my cars. And so I can continue, at least on the writing end right now, which is kind of what people are most interested in. So mm. presently, I'm working on my next presentation. So it isn't a last-minute deal like they usually are where everything gets crammed in the one month. <laughs> With about 2,000 PowerPoint slides distilled down to uh, 800 and et cetera, et cetera. So the presentation I gave on the power grid debacle was an absolute monster put together. It was a five and a half hour presentation, but I think I got the point across that the entire power grid of this country is being sabotaged by something that I can't definitely put my finger on, but whatever it is, it's malevolent and it's intent on... Uh, completely turning our power grid into kind of an electromagnetic terrorist tool. Mm, mm. That is actually, you know, now that you mention it, that's something we talked about a little bit last time, touched on it at least, this idea that the current state of our electrical grid is very shaky. And in fact, a person like yourself who has such knowledge of electrical engineering can clearly see that the grid has been set up to have a vulnerability that is completely unnecessary, that they've gone out of their way to connect it in a way that it would do kind of the most damage. Is that what you're saying? Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, it used to be that the electrical transmission and distribution system was a closed system so that it wasn't really susceptible to earth currents or EMPs or stray zero sequence currents or what have you but now the whole thing is with deliberation and at great expense being turned inside out to be the opposite it's being turned into a giant antenna so with my equipment that i have when i travel around 
my car basically is kind of like an insect. You know, it looks like an insect with the antennas. Mm. It actually senses that way. The fields around it and what have you with the equipment in the car, I can sense my electric environment, turning it into audio. Because I guess I could consider this a, a more of a conspiratorial form. I will uh, express my conspiracy theory from what I've determined in my car. Digital is a totalitarian fascist reality. And it's attempting to basically just overwhelm everything and pull people into its artificial malevolence. The enemy to that is radio. Because radio basically can't be controlled. It uses the natural medium to communicate. And it has an interesting side effect in that it allows us to be in contact with the electrical nature of the planet through the little bits of interference you hear and the way the propagation changes and how it responds to the sunspots and the ionosphere and the Earth's magnetic field. And that's basically one of my main interests in it. So... What is being introduced is every time you go to Walmart or whatever and you buy an electrical device, it has a jammer built into it. And this jammer is basically singles out the AM broadcast band so that you can't listen to, you know, your favorite talk show host. It jams out CB radios so that you can't communicate with the other truckers. It causes massive interference to HF communications. There's no legitimate engineering reason why a simple device like a light dimmer has to become a massive World War II style barrage transmitter. Hmm. So this is what you're plugging into your wall outlets. Now the power grid is being turned inside out. So rather than having closed isolated loops, it's all on a common neutral, which is a massive antenna, which carries this interference. So from the conspiratorial standpoint, what I see going on here is a deliberated effort, most likely by the Chinese, to completely wipe out the process of radio broadcasting and communications. Hmm. Wow. And there's no technical or functional reason for making this change. It just seems like maybe the setup for something in the future. Well... You know, like I say, that's the conspiratorial side of it. The other other way of looking at it would be the Babylonian element. Nobody understands any of this stuff anymore. And safety, reliability, legalities are all non-existent. So important components that used to exist in various electrical and electronic devices are being left out because they cost money and they add weight. So consequently... You get these nasty transients and other complications, and then they want to eliminate all the transformers from the power supplies. They're using these switching circuits, the Einstein, and you know, electron, electronics concepts and all that completely ignore the electric field. So these things are basically just shredding the ether around them so that they can save a buck. And Einstein says that the electric field doesn't exist, so in their mind. It doesn't, so they don't care what they do to it. But it just plays complete havoc with all of my radio equipment. And what this has caused is a massive parasitic current inside the Earth, which is completely wiping out my telluric research. In one location where a lot of effort, time, and money was spent in putting up 
the receiving system, once we connected to the Earth, we found that the parasitic zero sequence or harmonic component traveling inside the Earth was 20 million times stronger than the signal we wanted to receive. You could actually connect a telephone receiver between a 1,200-foot span connecting to a set of 8-foot ground rods on each end, and you hook a telephone handset, something that most people probably don't even know what it is anymore, and it's so loud you couldn't hold it to your ear. Wow, wow. And you mentioned the Babylonian element. Last time we talked, you had mentioned a sort of neo-pagan cult that was somewhat interfering in your work as much as you could surmise. Is that what you're talking about? Some kind of uh, philosophical difference in, in how to manage energy and electricity that is derived from some cult-like beliefs? Well, that's another element. And that's, that's kind of more, you know, like on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the nefarious activities of that element have become kind of quite public lately because they're very deviant people. They seem to derive pleasure on like trashing everything around them and wrecking people's lives. And, and that's what they live for. And I know that directly because I was at the receiving end of it when these people came in and took over our town, Bolinas. And I was the only one that stood up against them that survived and caused them significant damage. So this is the uh, smiling face that's presently in the public mind is uh, in this whole genre of humans is Hillary Clinton hmm. or this Epstein guy would be an example. Mm-hmm. These people are sickos that, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified to get into <laughs> the depth of. So present, presently I'm reading a book called, Mass Psychology of Fascism by Wilhelm Reich to help me understand the new fascist age that we're moving into right now, the next totalitarian society, which will not be isolated to borders. This time it will be global. And this is what is being fought right now by the few people that still have a brain in their head. (laughs) Well, yes. Amen. And most of the things that they do and where they get it from are all clearly secret, so it is tough to get a real handle on their true motivations, goals, and belief system. But you can definitely see the general shape of something that is not good for humanity. No, it, it's a parasite to humanity. It's like having a tick in your neck the size of a football. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. So the stuff you're doing is just really amazing. And I guess to try to undo some of the damage of the school system and maybe get people's mental wheels turning a little bit, we could maybe touch on electrical engineering history and where things went wrong. I pulled a short section from your paper, Revival of the Science of Electricity in the Digital Age, where you say, the foundations of electrical science were derived from the experimental researches of Michael Faraday and their mathematical development by Clark Maxwell. This became known as the Faraday-Maxwell theory of electricity. Essential to the Faraday-Maxwell concept is the existence of a fundamental electric medium, or ether, which fills all space and permeates all matter. Regardless of the fruitfulness of this idea of the ether and its tubes of electric induction, It was later forcibly driven from electrical theory and replaced with a false idol, the electron, and its sacred companion, Einstein-Minkowski relativity. And that's definitely 
the story in a nutshell, but I'm kind of in awe that this corporate academic cabal could suppress this holistic understanding once it was already out there. Can you elaborate on that part of the story and where we took this negative 180? Well, it's a little bit at a time. It's always done by attrition. Mm -hmm. So a stage at a time, you know, false concepts were introduced and just, just like with anything else, just like what happened with the food, you know, a little bit at a time. For example, you know, I basically live on fruits and vegetables. And for me, fruit juice is a very important part of my daily life. Mm-hmm. It used to be you go to the liquor store, gas station, and you get a quart bottle of grapefruit juice. Well, all of a sudden, there is no more grapefruit juice. Okay, well, now I get apple juice. Well, now there's no more apple juice. There's no more orange juice. There's no more fruit juice. But there's row after row after row of of cans and bottles of chemical formulations that even though I have a good background in chemistry, I can hardly understand what's in them. Hmm. Yes, I've noticed that too. There's nothing I can drink in a 7-Eleven. No, there won't be at some point. The general aim is there won't be any of this stuff available anymore. People will be living on these chemicals, and that's part of the reason why they're getting so ugly and nasty. Mm. So, you know, there was a time when people had a better understanding of the holistic world and the role of electricity in it and the role of the ether, and then we have this incremental change where they do this complete 180 flip, and now that stuff is so foreign to the mainstream But I think this audience is a bit familiar with ether physics, the electric universe model, Velikovsky, Reich, Schauberger, and of course, Tesla, these people and subjects that have all had a piece of the elephant. But if people were just to clear their minds of the erroneous paradigm we have today, and you were to explain the fundamentals of our system or environment like we were five years old, how would you set us straight when it comes to understanding this electric medium or the ether and its role in the natural world? Well, it's not something you can say in one sentence. Fair. I know it's a little complicated. Yeah. So basically, that's what my writing has been about, is to try to systematically clarify these things through the the complete redevelopment of the theory of electricity right from square one. Hmm. So the concepts that that are presently being implemented... You just have to reject all those things, the electron and and all this type of stuff, relativity, the speed of light. All these things are ultimately meaningless. Hmm. So everything, everything has to be redefined. And since I started when I was destitute in Owens Valley, I had nothing else to do. So I decided, okay, this was the point in which I was going to, in the deep in the bushes, rewrite the entire book on electricity. And that started with this thing now that's known as the Lone Pine writings. So presently, I'm kind of taking that to the next level for my next presentation. I've written thousands and thousands of pages of material, but there's basically, there's no money and there's no help to process any of this stuff. So Basically, uh, right now, I'm in a dead horse farms situation. Hmm. There just simply is no interest in any of this stuff anymore on a, a supportive level. None. Not one dime's worth. Other than, you know, I, I get random donations, which basically, you know, pays the utility bills. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that I'm not getting some kind of help with this. But the days of the Josh Reynolds and all that, you know, that. They give you, you know, financing and $25,000 hunks. 
in a day where, you know, I could still get tubes and transistors and there was still, you know, a basic surplus industry and several other people my age to work with me. That's all gone. I, I am completely isolated. I might as well be on Mars. Right. It seems like the current operation is more bootstrapped based off the generous donations of inquisitive individuals rather than the big systemic massive funding that goes into other projects or any kind of corporate situation. It's because I guess they've realized that this stuff is actually going to be upsetting to their financial apple cart. And so suppression is the way. And so the only people who are going to fund it are individuals who have altruistic motives and seeing that paradigm flipped again. Yeah, but that species no longer exists. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. It is very sad. And I definitely am impressed with all the material you've, you've put out. Aaron has just flooded me with all kinds of stuff that I've tried to wrap my head around. But again, I've been uh, kind of conditioned from living in this system as we all have. So it's hard to really reverse that damage and conceive of things freshly. But this electric ether, apparently it's everywhere. I guess, is it fair to say it's the medium in which all matter matter of all kinds, planets, people, everything kind of emerges from? Yeah, it's, it's a primordial medium. That makes sense. So th this is what Wilhelm Reich gets into with his orgone. So because he speaks in a more common language, it's kind of, it, it would be easier to understand his concepts than, you know, to go dive into some, you know, mathematical symbolisms or all that. But this primordial medium, you know, keeps presenting itself. But the academia people, they're often their own. This is the thing that I'm going through with the seismic deal, which basically has gone dead horse farms. Let's take, for example, you know, I, I built a system. It was worth about one and a half million dollars in the Mojave Desert. And then it was embezzled. And there was absolutely no interest whatsoever in paying the ransom. And that station was destroyed even though the Marine Corps and the county and everybody was interested in it, when this other element comes in, there's nothing you can do to, to fight these people. They're everywhere. They have infinite power. They basically have control of all the intelligence agencies, the law enforcement agencies. Now, after they successfully destroyed the Bell system, now they have a communication system where they can alter things and make you think that somebody's saying something they're not or, you know, suppress you or, or what have you. So, so at any rate, I know people that work in the government realm who know other people that have really pushed this electric seismology stuff to the point that it's on an engineering level. And there's, you know, utility companies that are interested in taking this thing on an engineering level. But the problem is, is because these people are academics, they're not interested. It's a threat to them. They just simply want more money for more funding to do more experiments. And if you actually try to get them to help you, you know, become on the, like an advisor or, you know, to, to help, you know, with interacting with a specific utility company to point out, yes, indeed, there's experimental verification. You know, they got their PhD. They work in government laboratories. They're not interested. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a dead horse. 
I'm sick of whipping it. It won't move. Well, it seems like if people were to understand there's a relationship between electro frequency and seismic activity and earthquakes, I mean, that could lead to this understanding that they want to quarantine. Yeah, well, basically, the whole Einsteinian philosophy despises electricity, absolutely despises it. So as soon as you try to introduce anything electrical into a realm such as seismology, you are in trouble. So, for, for example, there was a successful seismic forecasting system built in Greece. It's called the VAN system. There's a book that came out recently on it, and I got in this in my, I gave a 90-minute presentation in this at Aaron's last conference. So that basically, you know, kind of quantified what's going on here. So this van system, the, the van is the initials of the three people that developed the system. It's a, a physics-minded system. It's not really electrically engineered or what have you. It's just they drove ground rods into the dirt until they found the spot that was electrically active, and then they connected two ground rods together through a, a length of long-distance telephone line, very similar to what I'm doing, and then put galvanometers into this loop, you know, of the earth and the wire, and the precursors were impossible to ignore, absolutely impossible to ignore. They, they set up a network. They were able, with over 99% accuracy, to determine the magnitude and the location and then the, and these were academics and the powers to be in Greece got their phone lines pulled down and got their power turned off. And, and even though they achieved world fame and were right there, you know, in, in the list of all the critical references with the scientists that I had mentioned, the government scientists that I know, the whole thing just withered up and blew away in the wind. Hmm. Tale as old as time. And the, U the United States Geological Survey, if you're into this stuff, can be regarded as a terrorist organization. They will do everything in their power to make monkeys out of the scientists that are developing this stuff. So now I, I won't mention their names, but, you know, I I've talked to them personally. They've been raked over the coals so much that they won't talk about it anymore. You know, they're all pouty about it. They don't have a person on it like me, which is an immediate show of teeth. They just run and, you know, stick their tail between their legs and whimper rather than getting angry and hostile and disruptive. So, so basically it all, all ends there. You know, then I'm told that the USGS will actually come in and, and destroy their instruments. And it's war. It's basically warfare. It's a war against electricity. Hmm. Man, and I was lucky enough to see that seismic presentation on the system that you built, and it's a bit over my head, but you're definitely getting some readings, and these frequencies do seem to change right before an earthquake. I guess for the people listening, can you tell us a bit about what data you're pulling from and the real mechanism behind earthquakes? Where are these readings that you're getting actually coming from? What's the catalyst for them? Well, basically what happens is an electrical stress situation builds up along with the mechanical stress situation. And then there's a certain critical level where the electrical stress and the mechanical stress start to interact in a feedback, a positive feedback runaway. And then you start getting very heavy current flows. And because there's a boundary condition involved, the currents bounce off the boundaries and you start to get very powerful alternating currents. 
And if you have a, a type of underground antenna system, such as the Alexanderson antenna, you can receive those currents if you're near enough to the fault, and they're very powerful, and they're very easy to detect. And then next, these currents start because current is magnetism, and magnetism is current, and current is mechanical force, and magnetism is mechanical force. The thing that the academia and the Einsteiners can't get is there's nothing, There's you can't say that there's current and there's magnetism, and there's force. They're all one thing. Mm -hmm. So when you got current, that means you got magnetism, and it means you got force. So now that starts exerting force on the rocks. Now you start to get very powerful magnetic fields that are also very easy to detect. So out of this last Ridgecrest earthquake, my friend that, that works in the uh, government installation on his own had been monitoring, they're called magnetometers, and even though these magnetometers were located a few hundred miles away from the point of disruption, they picked up uh, significant distortions in the Earth magnetic field. Now, in my situation, I was in my car in Oregon in the wilderness, free from all the noise, listening to these things. And my AM radio, I have modified so that I can tune to the band below it, which is now pretty much abandoned. That used to be the the Maritime Communications Telegraph Band. It's blank now. So at sunset, my radio in the car sounded like it was trying to chew its way out of the car. I never heard such crazy sounds. And I knew immediately that there was a telluric event in progress somewhere. It's like a noise storm. And I have determined with absolute certainty, because, you know, these earthquakes don't occur all the time, so... If there's a long wait in between, and I might not have the instruments, but fortunately I have this stuff good enough that I can carry around with me, is before every major earthquake, 12 hours to 48 hours beforehand, there's a massive noise storm that reflects off the ionosphere. And it's very similar to the noise storm that comes out of a hurricane, except the hurricane noise storms are more of a frying and popping, where the earthquake noise storms are more of an even hiss. So right there is a definite forecasting tool, and because it's a high frequency, medium frequency to high frequency, it's possible to build directive antennas and triangulate these things and pinpoint pretty much where the earthquake is or seismic event, you know, from the more scientific terminology is going to occur. It really doesn't take much more than, you know, a section of old style open wire long distance telephone line to do this stuff. There's nothing high tech and you plug it into an audio amplifier with a speaker and you have a filter that, you know, tunes out the Navy signals for the submarines and the other, you know, transmitting that's going on inside the earth, which tends to interfere with it. There's nothing complicated. There's nothing expensive. The, the system in Greece was a um, 15 mile long telephone line, two ground rods, and a galvanometer. That's all that's all that's involved. In in that case, they have to find the sensitive spots, but because I'm using the electrodynamic method, which is based on kind of a radiation, I don't have to find a sensitive spot because it's it's emanating out of the ground everywhere electromagnetically, for the lack of a better word, rather than conductively. So it's not like I don't know if there's probably no one alive anymore that remembers the old Glena crystal. Crystal radio sets where you used to have this little thing 
this little piece of piano wire. You would poke around on this little lump of lead sulfate until you found one little crystal that all of a sudden then all the radio stations would come pouring out of the headphone. The van system was like that. It had to look for the sensitive spot where the system that that I've been developing and and other people like the scientists that I have mentioned have been experimenting with is more of a, a radiate radio type of thing. So it's all it's all engineerable. Basic engineerable. Every utility company could have one of these things. There wouldn't be in that case, you know, you wouldn't have to be alerting the public and causing a panic and all these type of things. Because basically it's the the utility systems are the ones, you know, the fires and what have you and all that type, mainly the gas companies would be the most interested. But the problem is, is this digital totalitarianism is working its way into every aspect of our society. And because these people's brains are turned inside out, they fight it. And we really have reached a hopeless situation. So basically, I've declared the seismic forecasting a dead horse and have no more interest in it whatsoever. There's There's no point. I've beaten the dead horse too long. Nobody's interested. So what I did, I've taken an alternate approach, entertainment. People want to be entertained. True. So what I'm going to do is I have uh, a basic seismic sensing system in a mine that has very sophisticated transducers. And I've designed an amplifier to go with it that has basically one million million times amplification. And then that goes into a double sideband modulator. It's an XYZ coordinate system as far as as the earth motion goes in the mine. And then that will be converted into tones, musical tones that the mine can, can, you know, grasp a basic musical triad, it's called, like CEG would be one or FAC. I'm going to use FAC. And basically, the inside of the earth will be turned into wind chimes. And this thing will be so sensitive that the the rocking of the earth and it's kind of twisting and, you know, because it's not a smooth motion through space because the earth is somewhat discontinuous and there's you know, electric fields and solar flares and what have you. The earth is in a, as, as I showed in the Landers insulation on the scope, the surface of the earth is like the surface of the ocean. There's waves all the time. So basically you can put on the stereo headphones and actually experience on an audio level of being inside the earth and perceiving all of these very, you know, small but significant in that they encompass the physical dimensions of the earth. It's kind of a new type of stereo, earth stereo. Hmm. So right now my total concentration is on earth stereo and also listening to the impulses and the noise storms and that kind of stuff like I had mentioned these, you know, whistlers and auroral choruses and all these type of natural sounds, that is fundable. So that is the direction I'm going right now. Right on, right on. Yes, I think that would be very entertaining. And I appreciate the background on this electrodynamic seismic forecasting because you don't hear about much anymore, but people used to be all up in arms about the harp antenna array and the speculation was that it could cause earthquakes. And that's a a technology that seems very adjacent and in this kind well, of that, that, I area. Gotta make, I got to make a correction on that. That whole harp thing is just a big nothing burger. It's a conspiracy. It, there's, there's nothing to any of that at all. Mm. 
all of that stuff is a lot of that was cooked up by a government disinformation officer named Tom Bearden and, and his cohorts, which really worked to introduce a lot of harm into the understanding of all this stuff and very successfully led everybody on the wrong path with this free energy and what have you. The very, very destructive people. Mm. They really right, right at the onset when it was looking good, they came in and, and just twisted the whole thing upside down. Basically, the harp is an ionospheric research tool. And I pick it up on my radio equipment. If there's nothing going on on the sun, like right now the sun has gone dead. There's no more solar cycle, which is going to have profound implications for human life on Earth. Hmm. Socially, all humans just become barbarians, like in the Dark Age. And I don't, I don't think there's any shortage of evidence of that. <laughs> and then the weather gets cold, the climate changes, radio, long-distance radio propagation dries up, it, it'll have all, all kinds of you know, biological effects and what have you. Wow. How, how, how long do you think it would take for those effects to fully roll out and to peak? I think the people that are in the know on that are looking at about a 10-year period. Shit. People will be begging for global warming. Mm. It's going to get really cold. And humans are just going to turn into animals. Wow. They'll have no interest in anything. And, and on top of that, this digital disruption, you know, of the human psyche and what have you is situation is terminal. Wow. Well, that's depressing. But <laughs> to return to entertaining aspects of this work you're doing, I like the idea of making music out of the earth. Another thing that this kind of relates to is apparently seismic readings seem to indicate that when you get down into the earth, that it is more hollow than it is solid. Is that the case that you're deriving from these readings? Not my own, but from other people's. It is kind of strange. The frequencies that I'm getting are octaves above what the academias would say would be possible for a solid earth. There seems to be some kind of boundary condition that's creating in the very low frequency to the ultra low frequency band. It's kind of hard. You know, it's like, well, what's inside the sun? We'll never know what's inside the sun. What's inside the earth? We will never know either. But just from the basic principles of physical dynamics, the earth would have to be hollow. Hmm. The whole thing about, you know, the gravitic force getting greater and greater as it goes to the center, well, that kind of sounds good. But if you try to map the fields out and the stresses, it doesn't work out like that. It's an impossibility. It means that the intensity of the force would be infinite at the central singularity point, which is an absurdity. So there has to be a, a kind of an equilibrium point at some distance from the surface to the center of the Earth along that radius where the forces would turn backwards and go outwards rather than inwards. Hmm. See, that's really interesting. I'm fascinated by that concept. A lot of people talk about the prospect of an inner sun, so to speak, and that seems so wild. But a lot of other people have expressed it to me as you have the sun and the inner sun as the two kind of poles, and they are creating fields that would be, like you say, kind of more there would be an equilibrium along the, the crust. They would both be pushing towards the crust. I mean, is that the concept that you entertain? Well, you got that coming from the outside in, and you have what's coming from the inside out. So 
to me, it would be natural. There would be some kind of, for the lack of better the word, you know, energy zone in the center radiating outwards. And from the mechanical standpoint, you know, if, if a smaller mass is attracted to a larger mass and you have, you know, an object inside the earth and then there's you know, a, a backwards mountain on the inside surface of the earth that would be attracted towards that. So it can't, it can't just keep getting greater and greater and greater as you get to the center because the center of mass from the attraction standpoint would be towards the outside. Now, of course, that operates in conflict with the inverse square law, but I'm not a strong believer in the inverse square law. There could be something else going on here. Plus, there's fields and fluxes that we don't even know about involved in this situation. And so nobody can say with any absolution what exactly is going on here. I tend to approach things from, you know, from a more common sense, you know, what have I learned as an engineer approach? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there are all these science articles coming out that talk about mountain ranges under the earth, oceans under the earth. And that's super fascinating. I mean, there seems to be a lot more unexplored territory than we even realize. I don't know why we would think that only the 0.001% of the outside surface is the only thing that's important on a body this large. Yeah, it's a complicated situation. You have all these currents and stresses, and and that that's what I've been getting after, you know, with my, my long-distance telephone lines, the long-line efforts, is to build a radio telescope to listen to the inside of the Earth. Mm. That, that has been my fundamental objective since I first discovered this stuff in my Landers facility. Wow. And listening to the inside of the earth is very compelling, but how far do you think we'd have to either drill down or x-ray the earth to, to kind of prove that it's hollow inside? How far down past the crust would we have to get to really like wake people up to the fact that the model's wrong? Well, it can't, it can't be done mechanically. You know, you only, only can drill down so deep. Right. I think eight miles is the furthest so far. Yeah. And it, uh, allegedly, you know, they're going off of, you know, reflection and refraction, the proverbial they. I prefer to call it it. If you change the they to it, you get a much better understanding of what's going on. I encourage everybody to experiment and, and, and talk to their friends and resist saying they and start saying it. It will clarify everything. You'll see exactly what's happening here. Hmm. I'm more interested, you know, in the audio and radio frequency aspect of it. So basically all I need is is borings down 100 feet and a row of them connected to this transmission system that I developed out of the Alexanderson design and and have a, a network of them for, you know, directive receiving. And that way then I can pinpoint the electrical activity. Hmm. If there was a network of these things all over the planet, you know, it's hard to say. You could never really, you know, being a science, you, you can't say what's going to happen until you do it. You have to do the experiments. Right. That, now there are no more experiments. There's, you know, bogus equations are cooked up. And then you try to find a, a physical force fit. And that's not even necessary anymore. So it's like Tesla said, they wander through equation to equation and they've lost all contact with reality. Hmm. It's what it is. It's a religion. It's a mystic religion. And it's in tune with the whole philosophy that goes along, you know, with digital totalitarianism. Right now, we're just like Germany was in 1933. We are going to move into a totalitarian age that is going to be the most frightening 
that the human species has ever conceived. And no one will be able to think and no one will be able to do any of this stuff anymore. And that's why I'm living in dead horse farms. My world's dead and gone. Mm. If I try to find, get money for something, it just they just want to pull it off, you know, into some other avenue that is completely inimical to the direction that I'm trying to go on. There's nothing you can do. It's it's digital. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that period of history and Germany because it seems like that was the last time period in which these esoteric sciences were really being paid attention to. Well, that was about the end. That would be the end of the era. World War II was kind of a global readjustment program mm -hmm. to basically finally bury all this stuff and then get into this, uh, you know, nuclear and chemical. I think it, you already used that terminology in our, in just our talking here and Wilhelm Reich I'm being re I'm reading his books now on fascism he calls it the uh chemical atomic whatever like cabal mm. that in the 50s you could see that that was the case you know that's when the food became all synthetic people became totally unnatural in their their life everything was like sterilized and neurotic kind of like a worship of death you know, and Reich was pointing out, you know, that this had to be fought against and, and the methodologies to do it, which basically mainly started with not screwing your children up. And that revival, the, the Reichian concept revival actually came about in the 60s, into the 70s, but the whole thing just turned right around again. So basically the summer of love turned into the winter of hate. Hmm. Hmm. Man, and yeah, this it is so pervasive. I mean, it's basically a death cult, like you say. I guess, do you have any idea what really drives it or motivates it? Just destruction? Is it some kind of spiritual entity that's actually influencing the human powers that be? Well, Reich refers to it as the emotional plague. And, and Reich points out over and over again in his book on fascism that, that you can't blame the, the charismatic or tyrannical leaders. The masses want fascism. Mm. And he uses the collapse of the Soviet revolution and the introduction of the primordial Marxist communism and how the whole thing turned into totalitarian regime, which was totally out of touch with the original concept, because that's the world that people like to live in. Hmm. And it, fo it, fo it focuses, you know, intensely on, as, as he repeatedly points out, is reactionary versus revolutionary behavior so that you can't really make an improvement. It's, it's always reactive, like this whole political quagmire now. Right. You know, one side reacts against the other. And then the key tool, the fuel that starts, that feeds the fire of fascism and totalitarianism is the introduction of racial hate. And we don't have any shortage of that now, do we? No, we definitely don't. How many, how many times do you hear that word when you turn on the radio or the TV? It's constant. Constant. So here we are, right back to the same old thing, and we'll have a new Hitler, or, but it will probably be a digital artificial malevolence. Yeah. It is. It's a demon. It keeps people angry all the time. Every time I see somebody sitting in front of that stinking computer, they're always angry. It's a fight. It's a constant fight. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse as, as these queaks finally develop their, what they call their singularity. That's their, their final goal. Hmm. 
Well, this gets really into something that I wanted to ask you about in terms of the relationship between electricity and life. There's an experiment you did with something called the Cosmic Induction Generator. And for people listening, I want to read a bit from the explanation written by, I believe, your protege, John Polakowski. Yeah, Polakowski. Polakowski, John Polakowski where he says, one of the most awe-inspiring experiments by Eric Dollar was called the Cosmic Induction Generator, or the SIG, so named because the SIG produces intense lines of derelict induction that cause a plasma to form, which takes on the shape and form of a galaxy in space. The aspect that is extraordinary is that the plasma doesn't take on random shapes or motions, it forms a mini-universe. Witnesses to the original experiment described the plasma as being alive, conscious, and having a memory. This display of the galaxy was termed the galaxy in a bulb because the plasma formed in a burned-out incandescent bulb. This really sounds amazing, and the images are super impressive. I mean, what's happening here? Are, are, you, are you having galaxies emerge inside a light bulb? Exactly. This is their, your whole electric universe what was really ironic at the time I was doing this in my RCA lab out in Belenus, I was concurrently reading Wilhelm Reich's cosmic superimposition, where he's showing how two streams, two ether streams, would converge into each other and start this spiral form. And that's how the hurricanes and the galaxies and all these things take shape. That's what makes the Earth rotate. It's what keeps the planets in their spot. There's nothing to do with gravity. We're living in this swirling vortex that carries the planets with it and what have you. And, and basically, I was using the dielectric lines of force or the Faraday tubes that came out of the Tesla transformers to produce this, this kind of dual flux flow that converged into the spirals. And that's how I got the galaxy. I only got a complete galaxy once in the beginning. And it was very difficult to get anything of of that beauty and form to appear later because there's so many factors involved. And and it does seem to sense what is people are thinking or what have you around it, too. So it kind of acts like it's alive. It reminds me of an old Outer Limits episode where they had, you know, some big field generator, you know, and a kind of a chamber and they started to produce a universe in it, and they were fascinated, you know, that they could see the formations of stars and galaxies. And then, then what happened that freaked everybody out is some kind of God or consciousness emerged and came out of the thing and started harassing them and freaked them all out, you know, that, that not only had they created what appeared to be a physical universe, but there were lives and deaths and creations and destructions. And it was a real universe with a real spiritual entity that basically attended it. God, this is the most fascinating thing of all the work Aaron sent me. It really was this that blew my mind the most. And that's all important context for this last image where John goes on to show, you know, all these pictures that look like these galaxies or this type of plasma discharges that the Electric Universe folks talk about, just like you mentioned. And then he hit me with this last image and it says, this one is very mysterious. First, notice the organic plasma formation in the bulb, but also notice the quote unquote figure that appears towards the bottom of the picture. 
Is it an image artifact or is it an entity that decided to appear when living electricity is present? And it does look like a little ghost or figure of light. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. Is that this thing? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it could have been anything, but it looks weird. That's one thing. I'll, it, 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 what's fascinating is, is even when, after the bulb explodes because of the ether pressure, you know, there's a partial vacuum in it. The bulb's supposed to implode, but it doesn't. It explodes. This formation will maintain its boundary condition and stand there in space with no bulb between the coils for about one second until finally it can't maintain its boundary condition. What? And we, we've never had anybody get injured in, in these experiments until there was a point, which I periodically go through on a cyclic basis, where everything's going to get destroyed or it's trying to be stole from me or whatever. So, so the women in white, got me out of the Integratron. They tried to steal my lab at gunpoint, but we had guns too. There was some guy that was a research engineer, developmental engineer, independent, making stuff for uh, the car companies or what have you, some kind of engine or something he was working on. And he was going to be our patron and he was going to pay to get the stuff safely moved to Santa Barbara. Well, actually, he had kind of more malevolent intent. It seemed like he wanted to basically, you know, get the stuff and then push us out so he came by the lab one day to see this bulb phenomenon and what was inside the bulb didn't like him and the bulb exploded and threw all the glass at him and this thing was like floating in space and we never saw him again <laughs> what the hell man well it's like if you do venture into some of the paranormal fields when it comes to spirits or non-human intelligence there seems to be an electrical or plasma-based relationship of some kind. Some say you draw their attention when you start doing things in this realm and they might even show up. Some say Tesla interacted with these beings. Do you think there's any truth to that idea of non-human intelligences that are somehow connected to these realms of electricity and plasma? It seems like you might. Well, that's conceivable, but you know, you have to remember I'm an engineer. I'm not a, a theologian or, you know, what have you, but but the thing is, I, I do have this voodoo, and I don't play with it. I don't want to talk to spirits. It's best to stay away from them and let the voodoo do its own thing. If, if you try to get in some kind of communications with these so-called disembodied spirits or entities or whatever, I've had friends. I've warned them to you know not play with this stuff, and if they do, they end up dead. Jeez, that's a heavy consequence. So it's best to stay away from that. Man, well, there is just so much impressive material, so many projects you've worked on. I got to let you go eventually. We should probably take some time to give people all the right information about following up on your work, purchasing your presentations, and donating to the nonprofit that fuels the work. What should people know? Well, that's kind of more Aaron's level. You know, there's the website, and the website will lead you to the, you know, the proper channels to the donations mainly like i say they they pay the electrical bill you know that the bills for the the building and getting the work published that getting my stuff published is is very expensive and very difficult and that's kind of what i'm interested in now if some kind of major donor or a plurality of donations came in 
to help get this stuff out. Because I literally have thousands and thousands of pages of finished material. And there's just no way to get this stuff out. Uh, I'm about ready just to take the whole lot of it to the dump. Oh, no, you can't do that. Well, I got I don't have room. You know, <laughs> I got to start getting rid of some of this stuff. If it's not going anywhere, uh, I got to take it to the dump. Oh, I got a garage. Let's call that your dump. <laughs> <laughs> No, but Aaron has has been really great. Uh, he's a previous guest of ours. The audience would know him, and he's definitely facilitated our two conversations. But he seems like he's really trying to help create a structure that can support the work that you're doing, because that's not your department. Right. Right. And the information he gave me, ericpdollard.com is the website. We know that Aaron is doing his annual energy science and technology conferences and your demonstrations and presentations are a big part of that. And people can buy those online at emediapress.com and not only learn a lot, but also help to support the work. Yeah, it's it's the addresses, you know, or whatever, you know, are there. And then, of course, there's all kinds of material to look at. So. People can donate at ericpdollar.com directly to the EDP Labs, which is a legal... EPD, Echo Papa Delta. Yes, sorry. Your initials, of course. Directly to the EPD Labs, which is a legal nonprofit. So it is tax-deductible donations. If anybody's, you know, hip to that game, and it will further fund the research into the electrical science, and, you know, everybody will be happy. So... Right on. This has been a real honor and a pleasure. Seems like you've got a lot more stability and recognition, at least, since we last talked four years ago. And that's a beautiful thing. But there is clearly more work to do. Well, there's plenty. Well, I look forward to hearing more in the future. And good luck with the music seismograph project. That sounds exciting. Yeah, I'll need it. It's alive, dear people. It's alive. Wow. Wow. I honestly have not had something blow me away like this in a while. And I don't want to sound like some overactive hype man, but this part about the cosmic induction generator is so insane. It really does look like Eric is doing something to form a small galaxy in a bulb emerging out of the ether. Maybe I don't know what I'm looking at, but it jives with so many other things like the fractal nature of reality, the mysterious qualities of plasma, and to me, most interestingly, this odd connection between plasma, ether physics, electricity, and some sort of non-human entities. Many scientists who work in these realms have talked about high strangeness. In the past, science alchemy, and magic were often studied by the same people, it seems to me. And when these current tech elite use terms like alter and summoning the demon, there's a reason for that. I guess you should see the pictures. I will obviously include a link in the show notes, but even the Skinwalker Ranch stuff, the Bigelow Aerospace stuff. Weird paranormal activity seems very intertwined with electrical or computer science, and maybe it is partly that Stargate kind of idea. If you have the technology to create portals to another world, but you can't physically get to that other world, you beam messages and try to invoke someone to build it on their end. You need the A side and the B side. 
And if you can get there through physical means, then what do you need that technology for? I don't know. I'm going way off track here, I guess. And there was just a lot to like about this, but that stuck out as the wildest stuff I've seen in a while. I'm just a big Eric Dollard fan, and I was happy to see that I could get him even laughing a couple of times. That's a notch in my belt that I'm happy to have. He's such a serious guy who's been fucked around a lot. He sees a ton of problems, and he does not suffer fools very well. Which means I gotta put a lot of work in just to get through two hours. And again, I'm thankful for Aaron giving me the assist on this one because it really would have been tough without him. But another thing I like about Eric is that he's a purist. He lives and breathes his work, and if it's outside of that scope, he's just not interested. He's not going to see the new Joker movie. He's not watching The Boys or The Umbrella Academy. He don't have no Netflix subscription. He doesn't care about the political impeachment circus. And he doesn't even take the softball pitch question of how can people support your work. It's like, well, I don't know, ask Aaron about that. You want to talk about earth stereos and flame speakers, I can talk about that inside and out, but donation, support, I don't know, talk to Aaron. <laughs> I understand, he's just genuine, you know, I like that about him. And this is why him and Aaron make such a fantastic team. Eric needs an Aaron, and Aaron needs an Eric. And they're both noble guys trying their best at resurrecting the right understanding of these suppressed sciences and how they can be used. Even though I think Eric might say that the masses don't even deserve it, which I also think might be true, too. And I really hope you liked this one, because I've been talking more and more to Aaron about keeping these kind of guests in our rotation. I think I have three or four more shows on the books that have come from Aaron at this point. So we're going to see what happens. I know at least one is speaking English as a second language and doesn't do a lot of interviews. But that's what keeps me on my toes. I like a challenge. Anyone can say, ladies and gentlemen, here's David Icke, and then sit there for 20 minutes, you know? But a major reason I had this inclination to go harder at these subjects in particular is partly because of this military-centric disclosure rollout. And you might be stuck in traffic on your way to work thinking, what is he talking about? How is this connected? But then you see Jeremy Corbell handling another disclosure mouthpiece on Joe Rogan, and my first thought is, you know, a general, fuck this, the non-human intelligence topic is way deeper than a few military men seeing a couple of crafts here and there. I don't like that it seems as if the whole question of are they or aren't they hinges on that sort of thing. But how do I do that show? You know, comb the archive and you'll hear little comments about who or what I think is legit and what's bullshit, but it's not really my style to dedicate a show to tearing something like that down because I don't have any insider information. I don't like to be that arrogant. But I don't want to be silent or actively participate in a fake disclosure either. So I just think, what's a better way to wade into the deep and strange waters of aliens, entities, whatever you want to say, and to me, it's this sort of suppressed science stuff. Not because it's about non-human intelligences directly, 
but you have to lay an ether physics entangled fractal universe animist model base to open up that alien dialogue to the more complex reality. Because what's being presented is kind of trash. When we talked to Nassim Harriman, he seemed to have an excellent grasp on what's under the hood of reality, and he also told us that he's talked to something non-physical. Dr. Jack Hunter, the anthropologist, told us many compelling stories of indigenous people and their spirit contact. I don't know if this is making sense, but I guess rather than participate in, hey, General, tell us about that floating metal cigar you saw. I would rather go in this direction, because if you're participating in consensus reality, in this materialist model, then you are not ready for aliens. Because it's about much more than some cosmic Christopher Columbus discovering this new world, you know? But that's all just sort of to tell you where my head is at lately, and why I want to hit this area a bit harder in the face of what I'm seeing out there. And you really should see some of Eric's demonstrations. The flame speaker is pretty damn cool. I'm excited for his Earth stereo as well. And I'm mentally prepared for some major electrical grid outage because I think he explains how it's designed to be unnecessarily vulnerable quite well. And the icing on the cake is that the sun is dead. I don't know how dead is dead, but it's a precarious decade we're in to say the least. But this is all getting away from me. I really should point out that it's important to support the work you want to see grow and flourish. Sure, that can mean THC, but it really means Eric and Aaron's work. Aaron has this conference where you can go and see a lot of these people and what they're working on. I very much want to go next year. EmediaPress.com is the website. Go poke around. And also EricPDollar.com. And he's got a PayPal donation link on the right-hand side. They set this up as a nonprofit. You think that's easy? God, I can't even get my driver's license renewed. All this logistical shit, it really is a nightmare. So kudos to them just for even getting that structure set up. And look at the links we got in the show notes for some good follow-up stuff. Of course, I know every guest is looking for some sort of promotion or support, books to buy and all that, and then on top of it, I'm telling you to sign up for Plus. It's a lot. You're just like, can I listen to something for Christ's sake? I understand. But Eric is the man on the ground trying to find creative ways to get people to care about this alternative paradigm and the model of reality that the digital demon cult has hidden away. Most guests I interview are more scholarly or journalistic. But Eric is the guy getting his hands dirty every day. Do you want to support the guy who wrote the manual for your car, or do you want to support the guy who can fix every damn piece of it and make it better? And he's not a young man, and the sun is already dead. He's salty, and he's cynical, and I absolutely understand why. Let's try to encourage him to stay at it and let them know there's people who do care out there. I mentioned last week that I was getting a bit of burnout and fatigue, and I got a huge outpouring of support and new Plus members, and I really do appreciate that. I wish I could just make that happen for a guy like Eric who does more than just talk into a microphone. And when I say burnout, by the way, some people actually were like, no, no, don't quit. And well... That's a silly idea. I can't quit. 
this is my job, hopefully until I die. I'm pretty much banned from the workforce at this point. But we all have ups and downs, frustrating and overwhelming periods of work, followed hopefully by some smooth sailing, right? So it's all good. But check out more from Eric. Check out more from Aaron. Challenge yourself to understand this stuff and go through that re-education process until you get it so that you can be an advocate. Also, sign up for Plus, I guess. I don't know. I do just want to throw in the Plus content that we got into today because it is part of the wrap-up process, but we talked about George Van Tassel's Integratron. Eric was the last engineer to work on that before it was taken over. That was something I don't think I knew. We got more into the relationship between music and electricity and Eric's flame speaker. We talked about mapping the inner earth with the musical seismograph, getting power from a radio transmission, making a physical body for the biblical beast, the Schumann resonance, Oliver Heaviside's work, how society keeps us out of balance, the realness of alchemy as a suppressed science, Isaac Newton, the alchemist, and how elemental substances react to planetary forces. God, that was interesting. We talked so much about astrology and how the energies of the planets affect us and affect human beings, but apparently they affect all kinds of material. Eric even said that under some certain space weather conditions, he can't even get a good weld. What's going on? So a lot of amazing and unique stuff. Get the extra hour of all my shows at thehiresidechats.com, blah, blah, blah. But also the joint session this month will be on the 25th. Our last two have been pretty barren because of another YouTube banning. But whatever, we do what we can. It's not a real banning. They just uh, take away the ability for me to live stream every once in a while. It hurts because there are tens of thousands of YouTube subscribers. And when someone they subscribe to goes live, it's very obvious in their feed. So they hop on. And without that, we're dealing with a dozen people that actually show up on the 25th at 7 p.m. So think about it. There will be other baseball games, guys. <laughs> and there will be other joint sessions too. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So try to show up just so we aren't so badly affected by that YouTube issue. And I'll see you then. Your move, Ether Excluders, Digital Demon Cult members, and Acolytes of the Big It. Your fucking move. This is important. Hear what I said. I'm trying to tell you it's not paranoia, not in my head. It's just the hard truth. Knocked on your door while I still can to ask you a question. Cause I know your head is still in the sand. Don't be sheep to your slaughter for the rest of your life. Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke. You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die. Tough luck, my friend. Did you get the memo? Can't you see that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this anyway. It's a scary dark world. Scarier every day. Scary dark world.
wish, but we don't have a choice. It seems we're stuck here, but you can find noses, drown out the noise. Now use that altar, and up your magic game, and listen to THC, you know, you go with the entities. If you ever see the U. For the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed But you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed Until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you say that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this Just see that we're so sweet. 